welcome to church today. We're so glad that you guys have joined us and you're along for the ride. What an honor it is to bring uh, this message into your church today. I really am honored that you've allowed me to be a part of your worship experience today. All of us here at Highlands want to say a big hello to you. Come on, Highlands. Put your hands together. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. (laughs) That is so good. We really are thrilled that we are a part of your worship experience today. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, an important step in your spiritual journey. Hopefully, and I know you have had an amazing uh, Easter Sunday, and it is the most attended Sunday or weekend of the year, and thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would have come to faith in Christ Jesus, and we celebrate all of that. And today we want to continue the journey. What a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, that, that choosing Jesus is not the end, it's only the beginning, and that God has a whole lot for us, and we want to make sure you, you know what those steps are. In fact, I wrote a book that just came out a few days ago that I'm very excited about that simply answers the question, here it is right here on the screen, and that is, what's next? So what else, what else is there for me? What, 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 do, what does God have for me? And what I've discovered is is that a lot of people are very unsure about the journey. In fact, so they're somewhere in the, in the journey of faith, either, either far from God or close to God, but you're somewhere on this continuum, and most people don't know where to go next. In fact, when you talk to most people, they would say, life, life is actually pretty confusing right now. And years ago, I heard a funny story uh, by my friend John Maxwell that I want to read to you just because just it's so funny. Now, I'll just tell you up front, it's not theologically correct, uh, it's just funny. So anyway, as so I'm reading it, I don't know why I'm reading. I'm reading it just because it's funny. But it, 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 it's entitled this, it's entitled this, it's entitled Life Explained. How many, how many of you like to have life explained to you, everybody? Everybody? Yeah, okay, okay. All right, here, here it goes. On the first day, and this is right off the bat, you'll see where it's theologically incorrect. Uh, on the first day, God created the dog. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and he said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. And dog, for this, if you'll do that, if you'll bark at people, I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the dog said, man, that's a long time to be barking at people. How about I only live 10 years and I'll give you back the other 10? And God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey and he said, entertain people and do monkey tricks. Make people laugh. And for this, I'll give you a 20-year lifespan. And the monkey said, man, monkey tricks for 20 years, that's a, that's a long time. How about I do what the dog did? I only live 10 years and I'll give you back 10 and and God agreed. On the third day, God created the cow and he said, you're going to go into the field with the farmer and you're going to work all day long and you're going to slave under the sun and you're going to have calves and you're going to produce milk. And for this, I will give you a lifespan of 60 years. And the cow said, that's a terrible life to be living for 60 years. How about I'll I'll live 20 years and I'll give you back the other 40 and God agreed. And then on the next day, God created man. And he said, eat, sleep, play, and enjoy yourself. And for this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. And the man said, what? O- only 20 years? Could you possibly give me my 20? The 40 the cow gave you back. The 10 the monkey gave you back. And the 10 the dog gave you back. And let's make it 80 years. And God agreed. So that is why for the first 20 years, you eat, sleep, play, and enjoy yourself. <laughs> You guys see where this is going, don't you, right? For the next 40 years, we slave under the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And for the last 10 years, you sit on the front porch and you bark at everybody who goes by. All right, so there you go. Life, life just got ex- 
All right. All right, let's get to work. Here we go. Uh, we're going to open God's Word to a very famous passage of Scripture that most people know the King James Version of it, where it simply says this, where there is no vision, people perish. I want to show it to you in the message paraphrase, and it says it this way. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, so if you don't have a clear path for your life, if you don't know where to go, watch what happens. They stumble all over themselves. And I would like to submit to you, that's really the condition of humanity today. And that is people are stumbling, and I don't think they're stumbling, listen to me, because there's a bad devil and they're making bad choices and because problems are happening around them. I think it's because they don't know what to do. They don't know what's next for their life. They, but when they attend to what God reveals, so if you understood what God's clear pathway was, watch this, they are the most blessed. And I know that's where you want to go, and that's where I would love to see you go, that you're in a place in your life where you can say, my life's not perfect, but I'm on a pathway and I'm growing and I know what God's plan is. And here's what I know. If you know what it is, you're going to stay on track. And you're going to do well. Now, if you don't know, watch this now. If you don't know God's vision for your life, you're in danger of settling for an earthly counterfeit. So the devil doesn't come up with a different plan. He comes up with one that almost looks like God's plan, but it's a counterfeit. And his plan is something like this. Know me, find fame, discover a platform and get out there and make a dollar. Like, I, I just, if I could just kind of be famous, make life all about me, and I've got news for you, life's not all about us, that find fame. A lot of people are convinced that if I, if I can just be famous, if I could be noticed, and that's why, honestly, you see the social media trends growing. Everybody's trying to get out there and get their face shown, discover their own platform that supports themselves just to make a dollar. And I promise you this, if you follow this earthly counterfeit, you're gonna end up with a miserable life. But God has something so much better for you. Can I hear a good amen, everybody, right? He really does, he really does. And it really is, one of the things I try to show in the book is, is that God has always had this plan. So it's been, in, it's been in effect since the Old Testament. In fact, I can find the earliest place where God has shown this four-step plan for people's lives as early as Exodus chapter six. And it, all throughout the Bible, God keeps saying in different kinds of ways, man, I'd just love to see you do this and then this, and then this and this. I, I look, and then in the next section of Scripture, same thing. Then Jesus came to planet Earth and gave his life and paid for sins. And the last thing he says is, I would love to see the church get back to, and people of faith getting back to these four things. And then you see it all throughout the New Testament. Well, I'm going to just show you one of those today. And I'm going to show it to you. It happens to be a prayer that the apostle Paul prayed for the church at, a, at Ephesus. And by the way, an apostle is just a church planter. He, what, what he, he would go plant churches, and he would pray for them and lead them and train them and guide them. And then in Ephesians, he prays this prayer. I think it's interesting. In fact, I would even entitle another alternate title for this message today, My Prayer for You. This is what I would hope. This is, would be my prayer for you as well. And Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you, watch this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let me break that down for you. That means I just wish you could see this. I wish, I wish you could you would have this oh, aha moment where you realize this is God's plan for your life so that you may, and he starts naming them. You're going to see four of them. I would love for you to see how important it is to know him. And he uses the word here, and I'm not trying to get real deep in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, but he uses this word right here, gnosko. And it means, it's, it's an intimate term. It's, it's the same word that's used where it says Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. 
It's, it's, more, it's not a no here, it's a no here. I, I don't just know him, I know him. He's, I'm in relationship. I wish you could see how important it is that that's your first step in the journey. And then he goes on and says this. And then he says, I, and then I'm praying that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Let me just point out to you, your heart doesn't have eyes, your head does. But Paul says, no, they're actually, you're not looking through these. You're looking through this. You're not looking at what you see. You're looking at what has happened to you in your life. You're looking through the filter of your heart eyes. And that's why we're all seeing the same thing right now, but we're all seeing it differently based on what's happened to us up to this point. So you're looking at through a filter. And he goes, here's, your, here's the second step in your journey, and that is your heart eyes. Your, the message says it this way. The, your heart eyes need to be focused and clear. We got, we got to get your heart eyes cleared up because you're, you're seeing stuff the wrong way. Because you don't see things as they are. You see things as you are. You see things through the lens of the things that have happened to you up to this point. Then once you do that, so I want you to know God real, really well, get close to him. Once you get your hard eyes clear, then you can know the hope to which he has called you. You need to realize that you have a calling, but watch this. But you can't ever get to this if you don't do this. You're never going to see tomorrow if you don't settle yesterday. You're, you're never going to know that there's, there's a calling. Watch, watch. Look at my eyes and hear this. That you have, you have a calling, and when you find your calling, hope is attached to it. So the way you get hope, 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 is, hope is found in the fact that I know my life matters and that I have a calling for my life. Are you following this, everybody? This is huge. This is huge. But then once you know that, then you get this final phrase, which honestly is the most difficult to understand, but it's really it's the most rewarding in the whole one. He says, and then you're a part of this inheritance, um, uh, you're, you're, part, you're part of this glorious, the message says, this glorious way of living that's attached to a group of people. That, like, I'm going to put you in a bunch of people that does something that brings your life to meaning. These are the four steps for every person's life, and I really believe that God has them for you. And here you are the weekend after Easter, and maybe you made a decision for the Lord. Maybe you just checked out church for the first time, and now you've come a second time. Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life and you feel stuck like you're in the same place. I don't know where to go next. I'm going to help you with these four. We're going to break them down one at a time. Here's the first one, and that is we just simply call it no God. No God. We want you to get to the place where, where you're not following a religion, but you're in a relationship. Now, this is my story because I grew up in church, and I thought, I thought the goal of church was to go to church and that the goal of Christianity was just to please God. So I didn't like church. I just went because I didn't want to go to hell. I ain't stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just didn't want to go to hell. But I never knew God. I knew religion, and I knew my church really well. And I really found myself, with, after 15 years of perfect church attendance, miserable. And I felt far from God. And I showed up actually in a church similar to what you probably experienced today with all this life-giving worship and people really giving their hearts to Jesus. And I thought, wow, I'm missing something. And I went back home to my bedroom uh, after, uh, after that church service, and I got in the Bible, and I found this verse. This is the verse that I came, actually got converted, and I came to faith in Jesus Christ by reading. And it says that not everyone who says Lord's going to go to heaven, which that was a problem because that was my plan. That's how, that's how I was going to get there. They, they told me, just say, Lord, call him your Lord, and you're going to heaven. Well, Jesus comes along and says, not everyone who does that is going to go there but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In fact, there are going to be many people on that day who are going to, who are going to prophesy, drive out demons, and do miracles. And by the way, that, just, that could be any list. Read your Bible, get baptized, go to church a lot. It could be any religious list. 
Jesus says there's just going to be a lot of people who show up in heaven one day who have done this list, and he's going to tell them, watch this, I tell them plainly, away from me, because I never, and there's the word again, you thought I was looking for church attendance, I was looking for your heart. You thought I was looking for all those things. No, no, no. I, I wasn't looking for relationship, religion. I was looking for relationship. Are you following me, everybody? And honestly, there's a lot of people who are choosing to be away from God because of those reasons. Recently, I was on an airplane ride, um, and all great preacher stories happen on airplanes, by the way. And um, I was traveling back from um, my hometown to Baton Rouge. I'd gone on the Southwest Airlines flight out of New Orleans back to Birmingham. And when I got on the plane, uh, of course, Southwest, you don't get to choose who you sit next to. It's open seating, which I absolutely hate. But anyway, uh, they, I was sitting down. Tammy was on one side, had this dreaded empty seat next to me. And this girl comes on the plane. I mean, she comes on high-fiving everybody, partying, dancing. And you know she had spent all week in, on Bourbon Street. You know, like you could just tell, like that's where she'd be. She got high Coming in, high-fiving everybody. Sure enough, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, God, if you love me, please no plop right there next to me, you know. And so, so she turns to me, and the first thing she says, she goes, well, what do you do for a living? I, I said, well, I'm a pastor. She says, well, duh, we're all passengers. I said, no. <laughs> Whoop. You know, so I said, no, uh, like a pastor of a church. And her next line was, well, I don't like Christians. Well, I, I knew the kind she was raised around. I I, so I decided to play along. I said, well, yeah, me too. That's why I had to start my own church. <laughs> she goes, I don't understand. And I explained to her what I just explained to you, that there's a whole brand of Christianity out there that will tell you all the rules and tell you all the things you need to do, all the things you should be doing right, all the things you're doing wrong, and that's not Christianity. Now, that's the fruit of Christianity is that our lives are changing and we're doing all these things. She goes, well, I don't, I, I don't, what, what, what do I do? I, she, she goes, I've never heard this before in my whole life. In fact, the plane landed in Birmingham because it was only like a 40-minute flight, and I was getting off. She was going on to Nashville. I'm actually standing up. I'm walking out of the, out of the plane. I said, well, all right, Tanya, see you later. She goes, what do I do if I want more? And I don't know why. I just turned, I said, surrender. <laughs> I left. <you> know. <laughs> now, my sister Carol is right here on the front row. She's my personal assistant. And she could tell you, the, day, uh, the next Monday after, after she, uh, I was on the plane with her, I, I had a Sunday. She actually ended up watching our service live online, and she emailed me the next day. Carol got the email, and she says, man, I've realized now that Christianity is not what I thought it was, that there's a whole different thing. And her salutation was, I'm ready to surrender. Anyway, so I called her and led her to Jesus, and Tanya gave her life to Jesus. Amen, everybody. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Anyway. So, because we've got three other steps to take, but let me make sure you understand this. If you're trying to get closer to God, let me, give, let me just give you two. There's many, and I write about a bunch of them in the book, but let me give you two. In fact, for all these, I'll give you the four things, and I'll give you two steps today, all right? And the first is, look, it's just surrender. Like, surrender. What I mean is let go of the control of your life and give your life to Jesus. That, that's what salvation is. If I were to give you salvation in a word, it's the word Surrender. You let go. You come into a relationship with him by giving him everything because that's what he did for you first. He gave everything for you. He surrendered his life to you. You surrender your life to him. That is Christianity. And then if you've done that, here's my, here's my next encouragement to you. Let that private decision you've made now go public. Make your relationship with God public. And the Bible says the way you do that is through water baptism. For a lot of you churches today, you're baptizing people today. A lot of churches have water baptism 
after Easter Sunday. And if it's not today, your church will tell you when. You can be water baptized. But water baptism doesn't save you. It just lets the rest of the world know I'm a Christian. It's the wedding band of Christianity. I belong to Jesus, and I'm going to let everybody know. And one of the myths, and I'm going to move on, is that your, your faith is supposed to stay private. No, it's not. Jesus said, let your light shine. Let everybody know the difference that God has made in you. Amen, everybody? Here's the second one, and that is once you know God, remember, now we're going to get our heart, hearts all cleared up and all the pollution and all the junk and the hurts, and we simply call it this, and we call it find freedom. Find freedom. Now, what a lot of people don't know about find freedom is they think that you find freedom. You settle all your issues of your past and the things that have happened to you by just you and God. You're going to pray about it. You're going to read about it. And I'm here to tell you that's not God's plan. God has a plan that a lot of people miss, and it's the reason why a lot of people never find freedom. And by the way, remember, if you don't find freedom, you can't get to your calling and you can't get to that glorious way of living because you're trapped by the past. And there are some of you here today that are in that condition. You're still wondering why good things aren't happening. It's because you've not settled the things of the past yet. And God has a system. He has a plan for that. And it's found in James chapter 5, verse 16, where it says, confess your sins. Watch this. Not to God. So you do confess your sins to God to get forgiveness, but, but there's a different result if you want to find freedom. Confess your sins not to God, but to each other. And pray for each other that you might be healed. And God says, if you really want to get past your past, you're going to have to come into an accountable relationship with other people. The way I like to say it is, is that you go to God for forgiveness, but you go to God's people for healing. If you really want to be free, you've got to let somebody know. Let me tell you, let me take the mask off and tell you what's going on in my life. And it's so important. What a lot of people don't realize is that, and they don't realize this because they were hurt by people in the first place. So their problems come from people, and now God's saying, yeah, you're going to have to go to people. Well, I don't think so. That's what hurt me in the first place. But it's a trap, and you don't need to let that happen. And all of us have secrets, and we all have issues, and we all have hurts, and we all have wounds. And until you get to the place where you can say, can, can, some, can I let you see what's going on? Can I tell you what I really feel? Can I tell you where I'm really tempted? Let me tell you where I really feel vulnerable. And listen to me, your life would be so much better with godly people Around you. In fact, for a bunch of you who gave your life to Jesus at Easter, you need to realize that one of the most important decisions you now make are the friends that you choose. Because those friends give you accountability and safety. Years ago, in 2006, uh, my wife Tammy and I went with John Maxwell over to China for the China launch of Equip, which trains now six million leaders around the world and Christian leaders. And we were on this launch trip to China, and I had to come back a day early from the rest of the group. There are about 25 of us in this group. And we all decided on, the, on what was my last day, their second to last day, that we were going to go to the Great Wall of China. So when you, when you go places like that, you try to work in a little bit of fun. You know? And so anyway, I had like half a day I needed to get to the airport. And so we were climbing the Great Wall of China. We were coming out as a group. They're going to stay longer. I'm leaving and, and, and since I'm separating from the group, I decided just to get in a cab right there. And they had them lined up right there, just waiting, just like they would at an airport. And I went and got in the cab, put our luggage into the cab. Tammy and I are heading to the airport to come back home. And the little missionary, Chinese missionary that was hosting us, is running toward the cab going, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, come on. You know, no, no, don't, no, no, you have to come see. I'm like, and if anybody knows me, I ain't late for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Bro, you messing with my margin now. I'm getting to the airport. I can't come see nothing. 
No, Pastor Chris, I insist you come, you come, come on out and come, come see. Come. And I was so aggravated. I, I took my luggage out. Tammy got out. I told the cab, go on, we'll catch a different one. I got out. I said, Brother, what is the deal? He said, oh, Pastor Chris, that wasn't a real cab. That was fake cab. I said, what's fake cab? He says, oh, that's where they bring you out into the countryside, and they take all your money, and they beat you to death, and you die. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's fake cab. I got... <laughs> you know, and how many of y'all know this guy became my new best friend, right? You know? <laughs> but what he had, he had a viewpoint in my life that I could not see. And thank God that I wasn't the only person looking at my life. Are y'all following me? And you don't need to be the only person looking at your life. You've got blind spots. You've got areas of your life that you're vulnerable and you don't even know it. And so how do you solve that? Let me give you two steps, I promise you. The first is get in a group. Get in a group. And if your church has small groups, get in a small group. Say, oh, I don't have time. Make time. These things are critical. These aren't, this isn't for luxury. This is for necessity. That you have to have somebody else that you trust, that you're building a relationship with, that knows what you're going through. And people that you can talk to and share with and get prayer with. And I promise you, just trust me, this is God's spiritual journey for your life. You need to be in some kind of close relationship. That's why the Bible over and over says, don't give up meeting together as some of you get in the habit of doing. And I want to encourage everybody that's watching, get in a group. Get in a Sunday school class. Get in a small group your church has. And if they don't have any of that, get it, get, find some of the Christians and meet regularly. And here's the second step, and that is simply be honest and be transparent. So take the mask off and say what's really going on. Have somebody know where you're tempted. Have someone know where you feel vulnerable. And I promise you, you're going to find yourself finding freedom. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. And that is the, 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 the major step of freedom is, is just in revealing that it's there in the first place. Like confession, if you confess it, you're halfway past the battle of the healing that God's going to bring to your life. Amen, everybody? So we're going to know God. We're going to get close to him. We're going to follow him. We're going to know him personally. We're going to find freedom. You can't move on. You'll never know the hope to which he has called you until you find freedom. But once you do, here's what you're going to realize. Like finding freedom is like wiping the smudge off of dirty glasses, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I see what my life is all about. Again, we simply call it discover purpose, discover purpose. And it is my joy to tell every single one of you, every one of you, that God has a significant, meaningful purpose for your life, that if you ever found it, you would, you, would, you would be like a bird flying and a fish swimming. You'd be like, I am living what I was called to do. Listen to me. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that your life does not matter, that only some people's lives matter. I'll never be as popular or as, or as important as. That's a lie from the pit of hell itself. You have, you're a, you're a piece of God's big puzzle. And, and it's important that every single one of you discover what it is. Let me give you two verses, one in the old, one in the new. Psalm 139, all the days ordained for you. You have ordained days. Were written in God's book before one of them ever came to be. Your life is so intentional by God, there is a book in heaven with your name on it. The life of Chris Hodges. Now, I don't know about you, but I've added a few chapters God never wanted to be in my book. I realize that. But no matter what chapters you add, the last chapter still fits. He can still get you from where you are to what he has for your life. Here's one of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament, and that is that we are God's workmanship. 
So you were specially crafted. That literally means it was like an artist uh, uh, up against an easel. You, you, every little detail created in Christ Jesus, not just to exist, not to live, not to go on vacations, not just to spend money, not just to have kids, not just to have a job. No, 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 to do good works. So your life, you have something in your life that you're supposed to do that does good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. And the day you discover that is the day you find real happiness. Let me say it this way. Happiness is not found when your life goes perfect. Happiness is is found whenever you know what your purpose in life is. I'm telling you, when you have that kind of clarity, it kind of, the problems now become mere distractions because you have your eyes fixed on something else. And I'm telling you, the best way to pastor you, I'm telling you, I'm very serious about this. The best way to pastor you is to help you know your purpose. You think, oh, no, solve my problems. Here's the problem with problems. You're going to get another one tomorrow if we solve that one today. But your purpose becomes this focus of your life, I'm telling you, that'll keep you going. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? It's really important. I had Pastor Craig Groeschel tell me this story years ago about this dog, uh, this, this dog track, this greyhound racing dog track in Florida. And as the story, as the story goes, um, I don't know if you know what that is. There's like a, like a track, like a horse racing track, but on the interior rail of the track, they have to put a, a mechanical rabbit to get the dogs to chase it. And then they bet on the dogs, right? I've never been to it, but I've seen it on Bugs Bunny. Anyway, but, uh, uh, so, but as the story goes, when they, they release the rabbit first along the rail and then they let the dogs go, well, halfway around the first turn, the, the mechanical rabbit had a malfunction and exploded. And wires and fur went everywhere. And as the story goes, the dogs now, not having anything to chase, didn't know what to do. So they say that one of the dogs just sat down and just took a nap right there on the track. Another dog got so confused without having something to chase that he actually ran through the railing of the track and broke some ribs. Another one just turned to the crowd and just started barking at them. And here's the point. If you don't have something to chase, you'll take a nap, hurt yourself, or bark at everybody else. You're going to do it every time. And that's what a lot of people's lives look like. No, no, no. We're going to have something we're going to chase. How do you do that? Here's two steps. I promised you. And that is you've got to discover your God-given gifts and passions. So you have gifts and passions. You have have God-given, and that's what I've highlighted in yellow, that God has unique abilities um, the biblical word for it is a charis. It's where we get the word charismatic. And the word charismatic is not what you think it is. It's not a wild person in church. <laughs> a, a charismatic is just someone who knows what their spiritual gift is. Their unique place in the body of Christ. Some of you are uniquely gifted to spend time with kids. Say, Chris, how do you know if it's my charis? How do you know if it's my gift? Because it's easy for you than it is for others. It's easier. It's, it's never totally easy. All these have to be developed and but it's easier. It's easy for me to stand on this stage and speak to thousands of people. It's not hard. My wife, Tammy, hates what she, she tells me every Sunday. Now, don't, don't call me up there. I don't, I don't even, I, don't call me up there. And I always lean over next to her in worship and say, you going to come pray with me today? Come on, girl. Come on up here. And she's like, I got to go to the bathroom. She'll leave. Like, <laughs> Why? She doesn't have, she doesn't have grace for it. My wife has the grace for other things that I can, I, I ask her all the time. How do you do that? How do you have patience for that? I don't understand. She goes, well, that's just not hard. What is that? You are specially crafted. You have a divine enablement by God that when you do it, two things happen. It's easier for you than most, and it makes a difference in eternity. Like, it can be used for huge purposes. 
And you've got to discover that. Well, how do you discover that? Well, for, here at Highlands, we have what we call a growth track. We have a set of classes that people can go through. And I'm sure your church has something similar. But start by joining the church, getting, getting into the leadership systems that they've created. Go to the classes, attend the things so that you can discover what it is and get moving toward your purpose in life. Unfortunately, 87% of the body of Christ doesn't even know what it theirs is. Can you imagine that? If we are the body of Christ and 87% of my body didn't know what it was, I mean, I'd probably be in a wheelchair right now, probably dead. And maybe that's why the church isn't as, as vibrant as the church should be is simply because the people don't know what their purpose, what part of the body they are. Come on, everybody. Discover it. And then, I know this sounds so simple, but then just start growing. Realize you're not going to be perfect at it right away. And can I just say, when you write this down, I want you to add this to your notes if you're a note taker. All the godly people on earth take notes, all right? And that is, this is the most exciting part of my Christian walk to right now, is that I'm growing. So I'm, 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 I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be either. That I'm growing. And the best part of Christianity is when you know you're growing to that which God has called you to do. We're going to know God get close to him, heart relationship, make that relationship with God public. We're going to find freedom. You can't find tomorrow till you settle yesterday, and you're never going to get healed unless you involve godly people in the process. You need a group. We're going to discover our purpose. We're going to find out the unique thing that I'm on planet Earth to do so that, you ready for this, the ultimate purpose of your life isn't to get hung up in any of those things. It's to get to this fourth step in your spiritual journey, and that is together we're making a difference. This is the purpose of your life. In fact, can I add this word to it for you note takers? Make an eternal difference. Make a difference in a way where what you did showed up in heaven. And this is the most exciting part. This is why we have a college, Highlands College. We train students to make an eternal difference. We're, we're doing something that matters on the vast majority of our lives, not on this side. It's on the other side. This earth is a mist. It's, it's here and gone tomorrow. And we get this short window of time to do all that we can to make an eternal difference. And now this is a sobering ending to my message, but just you need to take it in. Because there's a day where you're going to stand before the Lord. And you're going to be judged, really, first of all, on that very first point. Did you know him? And you can't answer, well, I went to church a lot, and I sang a lot, and I read my Bible a lot. Those aren't the right answers. It's that I knew him. Remember, he's looking for relationship. But once you're in heaven, Christians are now in heaven, most Christians don't realize there's now another judgment. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And here's a verse that talks about it. And on the judgment day, now this is not the heaven and hell judgment. This is the heaven, we're all in heaven judgment. It's a reward judgment. Fire, watch this, is going to reveal what kind of life you led. In other words, there's going to be a moment in heaven after it's all over. Now, you're in heaven, all right? You get there by the grace of Jesus. But you're going to say, all right, let's talk about your life now. Now, I gave, you, I gave you 70, 80, 90 years or whatever it is, and I gave you, I let you live in a certain part of time and history. I gave you, I gave you the, most, the, the, the part of history that had the most technology and the abilities, and I gave you... I gave you talents and gifts, and I gave you breath in your lungs, and I gave you a great church, gave you all that incredible good look. Come on, everybody, right? And gave you all this. What, what did you do with it? And the Bible says that the fire is going to show if your work has any value, and if your work, I love this word, survives. In other words, if your life's work shows up in heaven, you're going to receive a reward from Jesus himself. 
You ready for this? And one of the last verses of the Bible. You go to the end of your Bible, one of the last things your Bible says, Jesus says, and behold, I'm coming quickly and I'm bringing my rewards with me. He's so excited to reward you, apodidomai in the Greek, to give you back every minute, every prayer, every tear, every time you swept the floor, every time you served a widow, every time you did something that mattered, I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay you back. So what do we do? What do, what do we do? This is the ultimate goal of your life, and that is we make a difference with our time. So make a difference with your time. I want to encourage every one of you, you want to grow in God? Here's your next step. Serve. So don't just, don't just worship one, serve a service. Come to a service where you, you're in the children's ministry, or you're in the parking lot, or you're, you're a greeter at the door, or you're on the worship team, but serve. So just make a difference with your time and then make a difference with your resources. And, and, I'm, and I'm not just talking about your money, but your money is a part where we look, I don't use this for myself, I tithe, and then I give as generously as I can to make a difference for eternity. And, and even in places where I go after church, when I'm at restaurants, I'm going to bless people and I'm going to serve people. I'll make a difference. And here's what I want to close with. When you do that, when you do that, that's where real joy and fulfillment comes. You know, several years ago, I was bringing my kids to our favorite restaurant. <laughs> well, it's their favorite restaurant. It's P.F. Chang's. My kids call it Chang's. All right. So and we were at, we at P.F. Chang's. And I have five kids, so when we sit there at the table, you know, there's, there's large quantities of food. If you know anything about P.F. Chang's, they serve it family style in big bowls, and there's just there's rice and noodles flying everywhere, and kids are eating, and, and, and I'm doing the math of the money that they're spending right now. And so anyway, I'm, we're, we're eating, having a, having a good time. The server who was serving us that day was kind of frantic, a little, like, not honestly not doing a great job. And, and I'm usually, by the way, the one that's like, hey, Glass is empty over here. You know, like I'm a little, unfortunately, can be a little impatient and demanding. I don't know what got over me that day. Don't think too much of me because I usually get it wrong. But I, I was like, I don't know. I was in a kind of a little patient mood and just like. So when she came by, I knew she was in a hurry. She's kind of spilling as she's filling glasses. I'm like, look, don't worry about us. I know you got a lot of tables. Just think of us last. Don't worry about it. And she just looked at me like, wow, that was, that was nice. And I thought, sure was. And so anyway, I, I don't know. I just. Don't think much of me because I don't normally get it right. But anyway, but second time she came around, um, I, I could just tell she had like anxiety. Have you ever seen somebody just has nervousness on their face? And I said, are you okay? And she looked at me like, well, you're not supposed to ask that, you know. And I said, look, I'm a pastor and I'm going to be praying for you. And you could, you could tell like a little tear popped out and she scurried off to go to another table well, I'm all in at this point, right? I, I've, already, I've already made the big leap into this world. So, so when we're leaving, um, I decide to leave uh, what I call a honking tip, right? And so for you people from more sophisticated states than Alabama, that's, a, that's an extremely generous gratuity. All right, so anyway, there you go. <laughs> we just call it a honking tip here anyway. So, so I... Uh, <laughs> So I left, so, but, but, and again, don't think too much of me, but, but, but so much so that she came back. She goes, oh, I think you made a mistake. And I said, no, 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 that's for you. And she said, why? I said, to let you know God loves you. And she said, you have no idea how much this means. And I was thinking, I think I kind of do. And I remember leaving there thinking, you know, that's what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to help others. But I remember also how it made me feel. Because I thought, you know, there, there was there, four billion women on the earth probably, somewhere around there, right? And there was one of God's little princesses needing just somebody just to show her some love and, and to be generous to her. And all he needed was, 
was one of his servants, one of his strong servants of the Most High God. No, he just needed, he just needed, he just needed a, a responsible, obedient Christian to be his hands and feet. But I also remember thinking, you know, wow, this, this is what life's all about. And I was kind of like, who else would you have me send me to, Lord? Well, you know, because you know, listen to me, and I say that because this is where your fulfillment in life is going to come from. Every church, every location, I want you to bow your heads in prayer right there where you are. God, I'm praying for every person and every person who came to church today. God, that you're going to help them grow. They're going to help them take their next steps in their spiritual journey, that no one stays stuck. No one is unclear. God, for those who are far from you, they're going to come into a close relationship. For those that are hurting and have barriers, God, that you're going to help them find real freedom. God, you're going to have every person see the specific purpose that you have for their life so that we can be a church who's making a difference in every city, in every home, and in every office place, in every school. God, we're out there being your hands and feet, making a difference. And Father, we thank you that you made it clear. Help us, God. Give us the courage and the boldness to take our next steps. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Why don't you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second? I just want to want to pray over you. You know, we say here all the time that we have one step. I think we sometimes, we kind of miss it. We kind of not miss, maybe forget about it. And whether you're here in the room with us or you're watching online, you have a step. And we said that some of you last week checked the box B and you, you checked that box of, I know God, now I need to take some steps. Maybe I need to get water baptized. Maybe I need to get on the growth track. Maybe I need to get in a small group. But I want to pray with you this morning that Easter wouldn't just be a big fun Sunday like we said last week. It's not just to celebrate, but it's something that not only got you believing again, but for some of you, I'm praying that today got you moving again. But before I pray for you, we always offer this, and I won't move forward in any service without offering if you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you say, Clint, I, I should have checked B last week or I should have started. I was here last week or maybe you're here today for the first time. And you say, I, I, need to, I need to know God because I can't do anything else until I know him. And I'm, I'm ready to make that commitment to Jesus and give my life to Christ. And if that's you this morning, I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. There will be a time that you need to make it public. But now it's just you and God. And if you would say to me, Clint, Today, I need to get my life right. I need, to sur- I need to surrender. And whether you've done this before, maybe you kind of took control back, or maybe this is brand new for you. If that's you today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you the front. But I just want to know if, if that's you. I want to pray for you. If you just wave at me real quick, I'm going to pray with you. I see a bunch of hands. And if you're raising your hand right there in your home or wherever you're watching online, Shoot us a message. We want to pray with you. So let's pray. All you got to do is pray something like this. Just say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it. Let's say everybody say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender. I give you my life. And I thank you now for giving me your son who died for my sins. Lord Jesus, I confess you now as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you, Lord, for grace, 
mercy and freedom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, now, bow your heads one more time. I want to pray for you. Because when well, we've taken step, but I'm, when last week we talked about believing again. But today my heart is that, that we're moving again. And there's been some of you, I know, I've known a lot of you for a long, many years. And you've kind of become stationary. And you need to start moving again. You need to move in your serving, move in maybe giving area. You Maybe you need to serve in your personal growth area, getting closer to God. You've, you've kind of worn the grass out in the spot that you're standing in. I don't know if, if you've ever seen it, but like when you see cattle and they walk across a the field, they go the same way every time they go. And what happens to the path where they go? It wears the grass out. Some of you have been standing in the same spot, wearing the grass out in the same path, and you haven't moved forward at all. I think today God has really put it on my heart that we all move forward. We do better. We we move forward in our relationship with Him, and for those of us who have been serving Him, we serve Him better. We do more moving forward. And that's going to be my prayer for you this morning. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for every eye that's on me. Father God, every every ear that's listening to the sound of my voice that we know you father god today i ask you to help us move move forward father god take that step to to maybe serve that something you've been doing and and putting on our hearts to do better to increase father god to put more effort into it father god maybe a little more sweat equity into it maybe a little more time into it whatever it is you put on our hearts to do that next step father god that we would begin to not only believe again, but we begin to move again. Father, that our hearts are just tenderized and, and ready to, to go love on people, to serve our community, that churches, and this is not about us, but it's about people all around us who don't know you, and they need to know you so they can spend eternity with you. And then they can start the process of freedom and discovering their purpose and serving you and joining with us, Father, to make a difference in our community. And I thank you for it now, Father God, that you use us now, Father, to make a difference in, our li- in the lives of other people, to make an eternal difference in the people that are at our work, in the people that are, that are at our schools, in the people that are in our families, in our, in our sons and daughters, Father God, that we make a difference that will show up in heaven beside us because, Father, it's an eternal difference. We thank you for that today, Father. Move in our lives as we continue to surrender our lives to you and follow you with every step that you take. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said...